The teachings of General Conference are the considerations the Lord would have before us now and in the months ahead. Our marching orders for each six months are found in the General Conference addresses. For the next six months, your conference edition of the Ensign should stand next to your standard works and be referred to frequently. I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I exhort you to study the messages of this conference frequently, even repeatedly, during the next six months. You're listening to the Conference Talk Podcast, where it's conference weekend every weekend. Each weekend, we discuss talks from the most recent General Conference of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's right. We'll share some insights, make some connections, and have a bit of fun as we study the words of the awesome men and women that God has called to direct His Church in the latter days. I'm Kevin Stanfill. And I am his wife, Shelby Stanfill. And this episode, we are going to be talking about Elder Gary E. Stevenson's talk titled, The Greatest Easter Story Ever Told. And this was the one that kicked off the general conference Saturday morning, right out the gate. And it was awesome. I am so glad that this was the talk that started off general conference really felt like it set a tone for focusing on Jesus Christ, and I thought it was a fantastic talk because I reference the Book of Mormon a lot, and you know me and Kevin, we are Book of Mormon nerds, so I absolutely love this talk. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. It, it really did set a tone for the rest of General Conference with, of course, an emphasis on the Savior, but specifically his Easter resurrection, you know, the, the risen Savior, the miracle of a risen Savior and a living Savior. Um, with that being said, you know, something that Elder Stevenson really got deep into mirrors, well, he, he started the his talk with the letter that the, the First Presidency had sent out to bishops um, around the world and asked for them to read prior to general conference, right? Which, by the way, I did not remember that letter being read. <laughs> he said that, and I go, were we not there that Sunday? But we hadn't missed a Sunday, so I was, I just, I just rolled with it. But I believed that it happened. You know, I had faith. <laughs> and so I don't remember that letter being read. But then again, we do have a one and a half year old that runs around church like crazy, so we easily could have missed it. Well, and I, I did remember it. Oh, well, there you go. My other half got it. Yeah. And I heard, uh, you know, the, the, the emphasis on one meeting on Sunday, on Easter Sunday, to allow more time for family. And I thought, you know, that's, that's great. And it's like we had at Christmas time. And, you know, we, we occasionally have that throughout the year on certain, certain events or certain holidays, right? And something that Elder Stevenson also did, which I thought was very interesting, was he admitted that maybe that was a wake-up call. Not maybe, but it was a wake-up call for him personally in reflecting on how he and his family celebrate Easter. Which is, as he talked about, uh, he, he referenced a Christian scholar 
who talked about it, it, it should be our most uh, prized and special festival each year. And so this got me thinking. And I was thinking about it before we even agreed to do this talk, this podcast episode over this talk. But then when we when we agreed to do it, I really started thinking, I was like, why, why is that? Why do we feel, or why is it true that Christmas is just this, this huge celebration and there are so many traditions and, you know, and I thought about our faith tradition, you know, Latter-day Saints. And this is where I'm going to go off. So Shelby, buckle in. Well, I think our listeners should buckle in because I'm more used to it than they are. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) So I started thinking about how the fact that Easter is not as heavily emphasized and celebrated to the extent that Christmas is, it's less of a spiritual deficiency on the part of members of the church. And maybe more of a temporal overload, or rather an overload of stimuli surrounding Christmas and the Christmas season. So, for example, I was thinking, you go into a restaurant, you go into the grocery store around Christmas time, and you hear the Christmas music. You see the Christmas decorations out, right? You drive down the street and you see the mini accoutrements, you know, of the season. Uh, I mean, hundreds of dollars worth of decorations on people's yards, right? So not only do we think about that day, that Christmas day and the Christmas season so much because of it, but so does the rest of the world. You know, when was the last time that you drove down the street and saw something uh, even resembling a Christmas display, but for Easter on someone's yard? Hmm. You walk into the store, it's, you know, when was the last time a pop artist came out with an Easter album, Hmm. right? So there's that. And then this is the last part. In our culture, not just the church, but in Western culture and maybe beyond, I can't speak to it, but the birth of a child is something that is heralded, right? We have a baby shower. We have a gender reveal. There's so much leading up to the birth. And when it happens, everybody comes into town, right? And it's glorious and it's wonderful and everyone feels younger because of it, right? They have hope for the future. Contrast that with a death. And you'll start to see why, maybe, we don't have the same level of collective enthusiasm about Easter when we, when excuse me, not we, but the vast majority of Christianity would symbolize Easter with a dead 
Jesus on a cross. Mm. However, we as Latter-day Saints, we would focus on a glorified, resurrected, living, flesh and bone God who has redeemed us and lives and leads a living church, which is restored today. So my pushback on, hey, Latter-day Saints maybe need to think more about Easter and more about this most important holiday, I would push back on that and say we actually think about it every Sunday when we partake of the sacrament and partake of his emblems, the emblems of his flesh and blood. And that way we can always remember him and remember that he lives. So following off that, in his talk, Elder Stevenson says, he gives an invitation. He says, I invite you to look at the Book of Mormon in a new light and consider the profound witness it bears of the reality of the risen Christ, as well as the richness and depth of the doctrine of Christ. And the reason I bring that up is because you just said we think about it every Sunday, right? Well, what is a part of our revealed doctrine in this dispensation is the Book of Mormon. And the Book of Mormon, here he talks about in this entire talk, is the greatest story ever told about Easter to the people in the Americas. And so he invites us to look into the Book of Mormon with that new perspective, I would say. He says new light, but new perspective. And I think that ties in perfectly with what you said and why he said what he said, right? And I think there are varying levels of conversion in the church, right? Like you have the people who really are, you know, converted. You have the brand new convert. You have everything in between. And so I think that's why it's a general, you know, invitation to be able to understand Easter better and celebrate it as much as we do as we do Christmas. And he even says it's towards the end of the talk. Uh, but he does say that without, there is no Christmas without Easter, right? And we sometimes get too fixated on the Christmas part and forget about the Easter part. And I myself am guilty of that. I mean, I felt a call to repentance when he said, maybe you need to make Easter a little more home-centered. And we hadn't I don't know the last time we we focused more on Easter than we did this Easter. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And if I may, all of that that I have been reflecting on and turning over in my in my mind for the past 2 weeks is really just a way to justify why I've never had an Easter party or thought we should do something special on Easter. But I'm just saying, as I've, as I've reflected on it, and as I've thought, well, why is that not true? Well, these are the feelings that came to my mind. Yeah, and I would agree. I think a lot of people listening would, would agree there's probably some things they've done, but it can always be better, right? It can always improve and come to know our, our Savior more and in a new light, even. 
And it's kind of like an opportunity to level up exactly what you're saying, right? You level up in your spirituality because I feel that the last, let's say, three years of my life, Christmas has become so much more Christ-centered because, well, one, I'm spending it with my eternal companion who who compliments me perfectly, right? And And you are assisting me. And I'm assisting you in making sure that that holiday is 100% Christ-centered um, to the, you know, to the m- best ability that we can. And, and then also with, with uh, our daughter being born, like that also makes me think about like, how do I want to ensure that this holiday is Christ-centered and not, you know, media driven or market driven. And the same thing can be said with Easter. How do we level it up? Yeah, and this is just a thought that came to my head. It was last year we we had just had Adeline. Well, I say we just had her. We had her in December and Easter's in April. But we, my mom calls me and she goes, you're going to get her an Easter basket. And, you know, I had not gone shopping for an Easter basket or Easter eggs or anything of that sort. And we actually didn't even get her an Easter basket. And, oh, actually we did. I take that back. We did get her an Easter basket because I think I felt pressured (laughs) to get her an Easter basket. But I was talking with my friend about this. Shout out to Mary Williams. And she said, you don't have to do an Easter basket if you don't want to. Because I felt like the focus, even then, I was starting to see, well, I feel like the focus is more on the candy and the eggs and the Easter bunny coming to your house. When those things are great, and that can be a part of your celebration, just like Santa Claus is a part of Christmas. But the real focus, I wanted to be on Christ. And so this year, we decided we were going to do an Easter basket for her, partially because she's older and she can understand and open gifts now. And we decided, well, I think I decided that Kevin supports me because <laughs> he's my other half, and it was obviously a Christ-centered thing we wanted to do. But we decided to get uh, a bunch of like New Testament storybooks for Adeline because we wanted that in her Easter basket because it symbolized Christ. And so I'm already, my wheels are already turning for next year of how can I take this Easter basket tradition and turn it into something Christ-centered. Now, there was still some of her favorite snacks in there and some toys, right? But the main thing, the biggest toy was the books about Christ. And I think that's just little simple ways you can start tweaking Easter to be more Christ-centered, just from a parent perspective of your children, uh, to teach them that importance that you were talking about. And we, you can do it at Christmas too, but we obviously have way more ideas for Christmas than we do Easter. So we got to get the ball rolling here, I think, is that invitation that Elder Stevenson is talking about. And if I can add, if you go to his Instagram page, he actually shared what him and Lisa ended up doing, Lisa, his wife, doing for Easter. And they had this whole entire, basically, timeline of scripture and pictures laid out of Christ. And it was it was incredible. And they were going to read through all of it. And I, and I love that. That's one way to make it focused on Christ. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Book of Mormon before we close out the podcast. Just so you know, the Book of Mormon is referenced the most in this talk in all of General Conference. It was referenced, uh, I think it was 17 times. I count it. Wow. Yeah. So, obviously, Elder Stevenson, he talks about the greatest Easter story ever told, 
which is found in the Book of Mormon in Third Nephi, in you know starting in chapter eleven, right? And there's a few things that I wanted to point out, and no- nothing o- overly profound. So hopefully Shelby can provide some some more thought provoking. That's some pressure, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> some more thought provoking comments, but. <laughs> He talks about how President Nelson, whenever he hands or whenever he gives a gift of the Book of Mormon, he marks or um, mentions to that person receiving it the account of the resurrected Christ appearing to the people in the Americas. And I remember my first Book of Mormon and the person who gave it to me, they also marked that chapter and I believe in the introduction to the Book of Mormon it talks about the crowning event recorded in the Book of Mormon which is Christ's visitation in the flesh after his death and resurrection to the people in the Americas and that's another thing that I've been thinking about and I'm trying to what I guess I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around it a little bit and thinking about how why is that so significant? Um and well and Shelby like rolls her eyes like Shelby please come in. I not well, that not that I wonder what, but the Book of Mormon it, it has so many testimonies of Christ and his power and majesty. It's the crowning event in the Book of Mormon. It's it's the knowledge that our Savior had other sheep and visited them too that we mm-hmm. don't get anywhere else. A lot of the other stories in the Book of Mormon and principles, you can find stories in the Bible of the same type of principles, right? Not, I would say so. I, I'm, you know, this is just me. Sure. My initial thoughts. But that story is unique to the Book of Mormon. And that's why it's the one that's shared. Because if you're talking to a Christian, they don't know that Christ appeared here in America. But we do because of the Book of Mormon. So that's why we share that. So because I'm learning from you and and my testimony of the Book of Mormon is growing with this conversation. So as as we think about that, that event, and we, we realize the significance of it, and so Christ as a risen savior ministering to his other sheep, you know, one thing we learn is that he, he did truly atone for the sins of all mankind. Right. And he is every, every nation kindred and tongue can rely on him. If they fall down on their knees and worship him, right. And look to him with complete, complete dependence on him, um, which we, in our book, Mormon podcast, we, we've just entered third Nephi. And so, you know, I'm approaching that 11th chapter in that book with so much more, you know, with, with just a different perspective, really trying to focus on what principles, what lessons are being taught about the, you know, 30 years leading up to that event. 
And so I absolutely, I'm, I'm learning the full significance of, of that event, you know, every, every week. I think the reason too that president, uh, or sorry, not president Nelson, I was going to read his quote, but that elder Stevenson talks about third Nephi 11 in particular in reference to Luke two, right? Like the significance of, of the reading. Cause we read Luke, Luke two at Christmas time is because he wants us to know that chapter and know the doctrine. And he even says, we cannot stand as a witness of Jesus Christ until we can bear witness of him. And then he says, the book of Mormon is another witness of Jesus Christ because throughout its sacred pages, one prophet after another testifies not only that Christ will come, but that he did come. And that's, that's important, but I think it starts out right there at the beginning. You can't stand as a witness and, and know these things until you can bear witness of him. Like you have to have that testimony, right? You have to have that testimony that he does live, that Christ did rise, right? That yes, he did die, but he also rose so that we could rise again. And here's this miraculous story of the risen Christ coming to these people and sharing with them as well, just like he did in Jerusalem. And also, if I may, like, they receive everything as if he did minister among them in the flesh, right? And in mortality, right? And so they, they didn't get shortchanged. And you could even say they got more <laughs> because they, they had to wait on him. So, yeah, there's a lot to, there's a lot to take away there and, and digest. I also want to read one more quote. It was just so good. He said, His visit as a resurrected Savior introduced by God the Father is a most glorious and triumphant Easter message. It will help our family members gain a personal testimony of Jesus Christ as our Savior and Redeemer who broke the bands of death. I think that's the most powerful thing. I remember when my grandma passed away. And death is not a fun thing, usually, right? You get really sad because now you have this uh, separation temporarily from a family member or a loved one or a friend. But having the knowledge that the risen Christ did rise and we see that event happen to a numerous people who come and feel his prince in his hands and see it, that is miraculous. It's the greatest Easter message ever told. And I, I, I feel a little bit of what Elder Stevenson is talking about because that gives me hope. And it brings me to know that my savior, Jesus Christ, because he died and rose again, my grandma will rise again. I will rise again and I will be reunited with my grandma one day. And that brings me such peace to navigate this life, right? Specific to that trial, but all trials as well. And so, yeah, it's it's going to be fun to accept Elder Stevenson's invitation and dive into the Book of Mormon as where is the greatest Easter story ever told here, right? What is it? And let's talk about it. He says that. Let's share it and not have it be not told 
right? We need to tell it. We need to bear witness. But first we have to learn it and gain that testimony and then we can bear witness of it. Yeah, those are just my final thoughts. Sorry, went off there for a second. But hey, you went off in the beginning, so it's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Well, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Conference Talk podcast. In this episode, we discussed Elder Stevenson's talk, The Greatest Easter Story Ever Told. And if you enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star rating. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcasts. And you can find the links to all our podcast platforms on our website, conferencetalk.org. Conferencetalk.org is also where you can follow us on social media, drop us a comment, check out the show notes, and find the resources we mentioned in the episodes. And learn more about us, your hosts. Yes, if you want to follow Kevin and I on our Book of Mormon podcast, it is literally the Book of Mormon podcast. (laughs) And on Instagram as well, it is at the Book of Mormon podcast. And you can find that on a myriad of podcasting platforms, so Spotify, Apple, all of them. And while we always appreciate new followers, it is better to follow the prophet and the apostles themselves. Yep. Although we love speaking about the church and our leaders, we do not speak for them. Everything said on this podcast represents our own personal opinions. So if y'all come back and join us next week for some more personal opinions on the Conference Talk podcast.